Well, I want to honor our speaker today. It's none other than my wife, Amber, is going to be speaking today, and uh, she is awesome. She's an awesome mom, and we are just so grateful that we get to hear her share for the first time. Can you give it up for Amber? Good morning. Happy Mother's Day to all of you moms. Um, how many of you moms out there have expectations of what Mother's Day should look like? Whether you voice them or not, do you have expectations of what Mother's Day should look like? You know, we say to our husbands, like, don't worry, you don't need to get me a gift, honey. It's totally fine. And inside, we mean you better stink and get me a gift or you're in big trouble. So all you guys right here who are like, oh, no, my wife said that, there's still time. The day is not over. Wash dishes. Fold some laundry. Don't make your wife cook today. Uh, a couple Mother's Days ago, I, this was like years ago, and don't worry, I asked Greg if I could share this story. I'm not trying to rip on him, but, but I'm going to. <laughs> I was very clear at what I wanted for Mother's Day. I sent him links, I sent him pictures, I sent him pictures of my friends that had this necklace that I really, really wanted. Like I had to have it. Had my kids' names on it, it was so sweet. And I was sure he got the hint. Like, for sure, he got me this gift. It's Mother's Day. There's this box on the table. It's all wrapped up. And I'm like, he got it. I know he got it. And I open it up, and there inside this box is a beautiful necklace. And it's not this necklace, but yes, it was the ugliest necklace you could probably ever find. And I... I wish I had the necklace. I had to find a picture of an ugly necklace because I couldn't find the necklace, sorry. But I didn't even know what to say. I was like, oh, oh my gosh, wow. And Greg's like, that's the ugliest necklace you've ever seen, isn't it? I'm like, oh my gosh, it is. I'm so glad you think it's ugly too. It's so ugly. What? what? Like, you didn't get me what I wanted. And he's like, oh, I had a Groupon. So I thought I would get you this necklace. Men, never do that, ever. Oh, anyways, we moved on. He's like, here's some cash, go to the mall, I'm so sorry. And I moved on. But anyways, today as I was planning on speaking for Mother's Day, I don't just want to talk to the moms in the room. I am a mom, so yes, I will talk a little bit about being a mom. But I want to talk to the women of the room. And my heart, as you will soon find out, because we're just kind of getting to know each other, is for the women of Discover. And I really, truly believe that you women are created to be leaders, to be world changers, and to have an impact on this world. And in order to do that, we have to examine our hearts. We need to say, okay, God, what is it in my heart that is going to hold me back from everything you've called me to do? And so today, I'm going to talk a little bit about fear. And you know, as women, we are naturally very nurturing, right? We care in a different way than men do. Men, I'm not saying you don't care. I'm just saying we kind of care in a different way. You know, for instance, when our kids are sick, uh, we take their temperature like 50 times. We sleep by them. We make sure like we're counting how many coughs they've had in the middle of the night. I'm not the only crazy mom out there, right? I know some of you do the same thing. They fall, we're like, should they go to the emergency room? They're really sick, they can't breathe, we're Googling. They now have a disease that's only in Africa, but we're sure it's gotten to Minnesota. And our like, level from being like nervous, 
goes from like fear to anxiety to extreme fear really stinking fast. And where guys, they're like, it's fine. They'll be fine tomorrow. Well, you've said that for two weeks and they're still not fine. I have a right to worry. We carry worry and anxiety a little bit different, I think, than men. Men, you are not off the hook this morning. Because I know that you too carry fear and anxiety. You are the um, heads of your household. And there's got to be places where you let this fear creep in as well. So my hope is today that I have a message for all of you. And that uh, we can just really examine our hearts to the place that the enemy wants to just trap us in this fear and anxiety and use it against us, causing us to worry about things that we're never going to step out into because of what may happen or what may come. And I just want to encourage you as I'm sharing this morning, just to like examine your own heart. Sometimes we don't even know where the root of the fear comes from, Right? Sometimes I think it's more of like a silent giant. Like all of a sudden you're like, how did it even, why am I even feeling this way? And you don't even know how you got there. And it can creep in so subtly and build to be this big thing in our life that will hold us back from everything that God's called us to do. But I also want to address something before I begin because fear and anxiety is a real thing. Mental illness is a real thing. And I will never diminish that because that is something that I have experienced in my own family. I have seen it ruin families. I have seen it ruin lives. And I'm not saying, man, if you have anxiety and fear, you just got to love Jesus more. You got to pray more. You got to, that's, that's all you got to do. Don't worry. I mean, you don't need help. You don't need professional help. You just need to pray more. I never want us as a church to say, if you struggle with men mental illness, it must be because you don't love Jesus enough. Because there is a chemical imbalance that some of us have that it really is a struggle. It really is very serious. And so I don't want to take that lightly. And as I was preparing for this message, uh, like I said, I have someone very close in my heart, in my life, uh, who is no longer in my life that has struggled with this. And so it is a very big deal to me. And I didn't realize it was Mental Health Awareness Month when I was preparing for this. And so I really felt like before I even jump in and I, I give you kind of the weapons to stand against it, know that I do not take it lightly. All right? All right. Um, all right, today I, I, I am so excited because my hope is that God reveals things to you in your life that you are able to step out in ways that you've never stepped out before. And that maybe you've been uh, fearful of the things that God's calling you to that you've known you're supposed to walk in, but it's scary to step out in. Maybe it's the fear of what other people will think, or the fear of failure, or the fear of sicknesses. Whatever it is, my prayer has been that God will bring that to light to you today, that you will know where the root of that is coming from. I'm going to talk a little bit about Esther, and I'm, we're going to talk like books like Esther chapter 1 through 5, and I'm going to kind of just sum it up for you, the story of Esther. A lot of you probably know what it is, but I'm still going to kind of go through it and give you a little bit of it. Esther was the queen of Persia, and from the outside looking in, she had it all together. She uh, was an orphan 
become queen. Like, how amazing is that? She was beautiful. She had all the money in the world. She had servants. She was a queen. And I think nowadays on social media, if we looked at Esther, it would be like she'd be posting all of the fun trips she gets to take and all of the jewels she gets to wear. Uh, But just like social media, you never know what's happening inside the home and what's happening inside the heart. And Esther, uh, she was an orphan, and her uncle raised her. And she always dreamed of finding love and having this wonderful family. And if you know the story of Esther, it didn't happen exactly that way. Uh, The king got rid of his wife that he had at the time, and said, all right, I'm looking for a new queen. I want people to come in, and I'll choose whoever it is. And so Esther, uh, Esther's, oh, I don't want to say it wrong. Esther, so I don't mess it up. Esther's uncle, uncle, don't, don't like, give me grace if I'm not right, uh, was like, you need to go to the palace and be in line to be the queen. So she goes, and uh, she's chosen. She wins this, con- this contest. What a contest to win, right? She gets to be the queen. And so she married this man who she didn't know, who didn't know she was a Jew, who didn't know anything about her, who really didn't care about her, just wanted her for his own pleasure. And her life was very lonely and very uh, dark. And she knew that she was called to go to the palace for some reason, for such a time, but she never really understood why. And the king had a very horrible temper, and he kind of made his decisions based on like what the very wicked men would tell him to do. So whatever they said, he would do. Well, one day, he said, his men that he takes advice from say, all right, let's kill all the Jews. Let's get rid of all the Jews. Well, meanwhile, Esther is a Jew. He's, the king is married to a Jew. And the king says, yep, go ahead. Let's do this. And I can't imagine how full of fear Esther was. Like, you know that all of your family, friends, are going to be killed. I can't imagine the fear that came over her life. And she began to question exactly what I said. God, why did you send me? Why did you send me? And she believed it was to save her people, but at the time, she couldn't really see that. And so I'm sure she even questioned why she went to the king and said, yeah, I'll marry you, but okay, why did I do all of this? Why did these steps to get there end up like this? And so she's like, all right, I need to, I need everybody to just start praying. All the Jews just start for three days fast, and let's see what happens. And on the third day, I'm going to go to the king, even though she wasn't really allowed to just walk into the king and say, hey, this is what I got to say. Like nowadays, I would be like, Greg, listen up. This is what I had to say. She could never do that. And so on the third day, it says she walked into to go speak to the king, And the king, it says she instantly got his favor. And I love this verse, and I don't want to step over it because it's going to be up on the screen. It's Esther 4.14. And it says this, that Esther's cousin said, so not her uncle, her cousin. You guys can go back to that. I was wrong. If you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will come to the Jewish people from another place. But you and your family will be destroyed. Who knows, perhaps you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. She was placed for such a time as this. And so I, when she walked in to the king, and it says she instantly got his favor, that wasn't by chance. 
God knew what he was doing. He had prepared for her to go and say, hey, you're gonna, what you're going to do is going to affect the generations to come. But if you don't do this, if Esther didn't step out on that, it would have affected her generations to come in her family. And that's a really scary thing to think about. That's a lot of pressure. And I think what's so cool about this story is don't think for a second that God's hand wasn't on there, her. Even in the midst of the fear that she had to carry, God was like, man, I'm walking with you, Esther. I got you. You just got to trust me. Don't run from this fear because I've called you for such a time as this. Uh, many of you, how many of you have even probably felt like Esther? I have felt like Esther. And I uh, just... These last couple of months, as many of you know, Greg and I made a huge transition in our life from being at a church for 15 years to coming here. And there was a lot of fear that I had with that transition. I feared um, lots of things, <laughs> but I, I really questioned if God was even calling us. I questioned kind of everything. You know, it, it seemed like running from the calling would be easier than actually walking in what I knew we were called to do. And I think sometimes we prefer certainty over possibilities. Because if we know that we know, then it's like, that's safe. But what could happen is way scary. And that's where the fear jumps in. And so going through this process of coming to discover, I was full of fear. I think I didn't even really fully realize it probably at the time or during it. But uh, I was leaving a place where we felt safe, where I felt safe. I feared losing friends. I feared failing. I feared our kids would be miserable. I feared that... Um, we would not fit in. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. I had lots of fear. And I remember thinking, like, God, if you've called us, we've said we'll go wherever you want us to go. But, man, it's a lot harder to do that when it actually happens. When God actually says, okay, then go. And I'm like, no, I was just kidding. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. But I, if I had a decision to make, fear could just grip me and keep me where I was, where I was comfortable, or I could move and go to places that God had been preparing us for for years and years and years. And that's a hard step to take. And I really wrestled with that. I had friends that would send me songs and verses and I, about fear, like letting go of fear. And I'm like, I'm not really struggling with fear. And deep down inside, I'm like, well, clearly I must be struggling with something because I'm not wanting to walk in what I know I was supposed to do. I drug my feet a lot more than Greg did probably. And the root of all of that was because of the fear that I had. And I remember it was the Saturday morning. We had actually decided we're going to make this new adventure. We, we are called. God made it so clear to me. He made it so clear to Greg. And we're not movers. Like we don't just go from like one place to the next. To the, like that's not us. Clearly we've been at one place for a long time. And so we knew this transition, this was, this was going to be for for a long, long time. And so my mom called me that morning, and um, she didn't ha know, like, we had decided to go to Discover or whatever, we're going to make this transition. And she's like, you know, Amber, I felt like I was supposed to call you and tell you about uh, when your dad went into ministry. My dad is a pastor, and he went into ministry almost 30, well, 25, 26 years ago. And she's like, I... 
I did not want your dad to take that leap. I did not want him to go. And I begged God not to send us. And I wrestled with God. And God gave me the story of Esther. He said, she's like, I felt so strongly that God said, if you do not go, this could affect your generations to come. You need to be an Esther, and you need to walk, that you know that you know that God is calling you. And that was a big, like, that like made it. Okay, sealed the deal. I'm all in. I do not want fear to keep me from doing what I'm called to do, right? But if it affects the generations to come, I, I really don't want that. There is no way I'm going to let my fear affect my children, my children's children, my grandchildren. No way. And walking and saying, all right, God, I'm going to go. It's not easy, right? Not easy at all. But man, ladies, if you are called to do something that you know that God has said, go, you better go. Or you are going to miss something so special that God has for you. And I know some of you out there, you're like, but Amber, you don't know my story. I've been hurt. I, I've been hurt by the church. I've been hurt by family. I've been hurt by friends. I am fearful that that's going to happen again if I go. But listen to this. If God's sending you, he's going to go with you. No matter how hard, no matter how dark, no matter what he's calling you to do, he's going to go with you. And instead of running from what he has and missing what he has for you, just, God, all right, here I go. And that might be a daily thing that you've got to do. But stepping out and saying, I am not going to let fear hold me captive. I am not going to let fear take away what God has called me to do. Because I do believe, women in this room, you have been called for such a special time. God has big things in store for you. Teenagers. You're just getting started. Like God has dreams bigger than you could ever imagine. Walk in those dreams. Don't let fear of what your friends might think get in your way. Women, moms, maybe you're like, oh, I'm just a mom right now. I'm just trying to survive. That's a real thing. I totally get that. But don't let the fear of what that brings keep you from what God's called you to for right now. Because he wants to use you. Women, generations, I love the generations of women. There is so much power in that and strength in that. Maybe you, you don't have any kids at home anymore. You're an empty nester. You're like, what am I going to be used for now? God has a plan and a purpose. And those fears and anxieties and lies that are thrown in your head that you're not needed anymore, they're just that. They're lies and they're fears that are not from God. They're from Satan, who he loves to use that tool to grip us, to chain us up. We can be fearful of how God wants to use us, but we can also be fearful of the bad things in life, right? The things of like getting older. Maybe it's the fear of poverty. Maybe it's the fear of gaining weight. Maybe it's the fear of being left alone. Maybe it's the fear of something happening to your children. Maybe it's the fear of what others will think, the fear of not having kids, the fear of never being married. Whatever it is, remember that God's got you, that he goes before you. And it's good to sit and try to identify what it is. What is it that's holding me back? Maybe it's just the fear of what others will think for what you stand for. But know this, God's going to bless you if you walk out of that fear.
and into his arms and follow what he's called you to do. Um, for me, I think the fir very first time I've ever experienced uh, some crippling anxiety was when I was pregnant with our third. Uh, I had, my, my middle child was a hard pregnancy and I was on bed rest for 10 weeks. And so when I got put on bed rest with my third, I was like, I can handle this. I've done bed rest before. This is no big deal. I got this. Uh, but I didn't know the things that were going to come with that pregnancy. At 32 weeks, I was diagnosed with something called CMV. And that is a whole nother, I'm not going to explain it. You can Google it later, but don't because it's scary. Um, and it was basically a virus that I had that can affect your baby in utero. And I was on a staycation with some girlfriends when I got this call um, that my blood tests have come in and I had this virus. And of course, the friends I was with were like, don't Google, don't Google. Well, I Googled. You tell me not to do something, I'm probably going to do it. So there was my first problem. Uh, and it's a very scary thing. They can be little people. They can be purple babies. Their organs can disintegrate once they're born. Most of them were stillborn. And I didn't know or find out till after I had Diella that my aunt actually had CMV and her baby had CMV and was a stillborn child. And so uh, fear instantly, the minute that call came, came into me. I, I can remember what it felt like. And that night, as I'm on this staycation with these girlfriends, and then I get this news, and um, one of my girlfriends the next morning was like, Amber, I woke up in the middle of the night, and it's just this song was like running through my mind constantly for you. And she's like, it's like God just said to me, like, this is a song Amber's going to need in these next couple of weeks to hold on to. And part of the song says this, I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind. The God of angel armies is always by my side. Whom shall I fear? And I wish I could say, like, I just prayed and everything was better and I was never fearful the whole prayer. No, it got bad. The fear, the anxiety began to cripple me like never before. I thought that I was getting what I deserved. Um, my story is a whole nother sermon, so if I ever get invited back, maybe you'll hear that one. But um, I, I was afraid that because of how I lived my life, that God was going to take the one thing I really always wanted, and that was a baby girl. And I, that like crippled me crippled me. And I would spend many days in Diella's room, um, in her rocking chair before she was born, bawling. Greg would be at work, and I'd just cry and cry. And I'd have the song blasting that my friend gave me, but it was like it would never go away. And there's a sign that hangs above Diella's bed, and I would read it and I would pray it over her life. And it says, I am the daughter of a king who is not moved by the world. For my God is with me and goes before me. I do not fear because I am his. And I hung on to that, pros that promise for Diella. But I had a moment one day where I was sitting in the rocking chair, crying out for God to just take away this feeling that I was feeling. And it was like he so clearly said to me, no, Amber, you are the daughter of a king. Do not fear because I am with you. And that was like this moment of like, God, I don't need to fear because I am yours. That no matter what happens, no matter what happens, you are faithful. And that's a really hard prayer to pray 
when what could happen is some really scary stuff. But I stood on that promise. And the days, that weeks that came before us, um, my anxiety actually worsened. And I would wake up in the middle of the night and I thought I was having a heart attack. Uh, we spent lots of days, almost every day for five weeks, we were at a doctor's appointment, no joke. We were at a lot of appointments. And this fear kept crippling me and crippling me and crippling me. But I had to, I was reminded every time that fear came that God was faithful, that he was going to help me whatever happened. And I had to stand on that promise, even in the darkest of nights, even when it didn't make sense, even when I was like mad at God, like really, why are you doing this? Why are you bringing this through us through this? We had a hard pregnancy with our middle, chi middle child. Now I'm doing it again. Like, God, where are you? But every time I walked into Diella's room and I saw this sign, and it still hangs there today, this is actually her wall right now, I was reminded, like, you are the daughter of a king. Do not fear. So women, some of you, you need that reminder today. I don't know what you face. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're going to face. But I know this. You are a daughter of a king. And you do not need to fear Whatever the outcome is, you do not need to fear. Two weeks, a uh, couple, I would say at like 37 weeks, Diella was born. And two days after she was born, there's a little picture of her. She was just a little tiny peanut. We got the call uh, from the doctor that she did not have CMV. And I can remember where I was sitting. I can remember where Greg was. And we like embraced and bawled. And we were so relieved. And my story ends well. This story with Diella ends well. But I know that there's going to be more storms. There's going to be more challenges. There's going to be more times where I got to remember that God is faithful. And that fear and that anxiety that creeps in, I have to say, all right, God, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to surrender it to you. And sometimes that's like a daily minutely thing, right? But God is big enough to handle the things that we're going through. He's big enough to hear the frustration and the hurt. And I, there were times I was mad at God for bringing, walking us through this. But any time a storm comes, hold on to the fact that God goes before you every step of the way. I... Um, I want to leave you guys with some practical things because here's the deal. It's great to like stand up here and talk about fear and anxiety and it's okay. All you got to do is pray. What are some practical things that we can do to say, all right, God, I don't want to live with this fear and this anxiety that I'm carrying. Help me walk through it. And one of them is this. And you're going to be like, yes, I know this, but it's a hard one sometimes. The, we need the foundation of God's word in our life. It needs to go before us, and it needs to go beneath us. Because in that word are promises. And we need to be reminded of what those promises are. So even in our darkest of days, we've got a place that we can turn to. And I love this verse. It's going to come up on the screen. It's from the message translation, and it's Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It says this, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. 
Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. It maybe won't all just be poof, gone, but there's going to give that, there's that word, that truth is going to give you strength to keep going. And the second thing that I know Greg and I have needed in our life is women hear this, you need an army. You need an army of people, of women, that are going to rally around you in your darkest of days. You need women that will speak truth into your life. You need women that you can talk to and won't judge you. Right? Women, stop judging. You need to love women that are struggling. And if they're going to say, hey, I'm going to tell you the things that are really hard and that I'm going through, your job is to embrace that. Your job is to pray for them. Your job is to be a friend for them. Your job is not to judge them. And if Greg and I want to create a culture where that happens. That we are a body that's not judging, that we're loving. And that we're saying, man, I'm going to hold your arms up when you are weak and you can't do it on your own. There have been so many times in our life where a community of friends is exactly what got us through our storms. You know, when I was on bed rest with my kids, two of them, people would come and scrub my house and put my dishes away. And we had a house fire and lost everything. Who were there? Our friends. We have a huge transition in our life. And who's there to support us? Our friends, our community, our army. And if you don't have an army and you're doing it in silence, unfortunately, fear may take over. And you may be just stuck in that fear. And so my prayer for you and for the women of Discover is that we are one. We are a community of women that we go together. We fight together. And we love one another. We embrace one another no matter what we're facing. And Greg is going to sing a song for us today because it's Mother's Day and I asked him to. But I want to end, yes, he's a good husband. Yeah. But I wanted to end with this song, and it's the song that really got me through uh, my pregnancy with Diella. And while he's playing this song, I think the words are going to be on the screen as well. Men and women, I want you to just think about your own life. What are the fears and the anxieties that you're holding on to? And maybe you don't even know what they are, but there's got to be a root to it, right? Just address, figuring out what is the root of why, why am I being held back from what God's calling me to do?